We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is busy working. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something different. And this is our fun commentary track, the first commentary track of 2019. Yes, January's 2019's commentary track. Um, and this month, in honor of the upcoming release of M. Night Shyamalan's Glass, we are talking about the first film in his stealth trilogy, Unbreakable. They're alive, damn it! <laughs> and joining us to talk Unbreakable, we have from Wise to Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, he tries to stay dry, avoiding any weaknesses. It's Brandon Peters. Has Abe ever been sick before or, like, broken a bone in his body? I don't know if <laughs> no? he's ever caught in a cold. I don't think he's caught a cold. Yeah. Hmm. And also joining us from Forbes, he was split on whether or not he wanted to join us tonight. It's Scott Mendelson. That's not true. I love this movie. <laughs> I was very excited to be here this evening. Well, good. Glad to have you both here. <laughs> How are you both doing tonight? Terrific. I'm doing well. Great. Glad to have you guys here. Happy New Year. Yeah. 2019, the year we get the, uh, well, the second Unbreakable follow-up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this time we know it's an Unbreakable We know it's coming. Yeah. Well, yeah, so for those of you that don't understand what we're doing quite yet, we are doing a commentary track, which means that Scott, Brandon, and I are going to be talking over the film Unbreakable, the 2000 film starring Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson. Uh, we have the movie's volume very low or on mute, so you know you can hear us and not that. And we'll just be talking all about the movie, all about whatever we want to talk about during the movie. Uh, so if you want, if you plan to follow along, all you have to do is put the movie into your player or however you have access to it and sync it up to about eight seconds in. It's right where the Touchstone logo is appearing on screen and like the big ball at the end brightens up. That's where we have it paused currently. And on the sound of go, I'm go. We're going to, go, we're going to press play and just start talking. If you're just following along, it's like listening in. You don't have to do anything. You just have to sit there and you know be cool. So, with all that said, you guys ready? Yes. Yep. All right. Three, two, one, go. Hi. Okay. This is my most anticipated film. <laughs> the year it came out. Two thousand. This is a Thanksgiving oh, release, so. right? Was this in yes. maybe? Sh- I think this in like Shaft or two of my most anticipated film. Another busy year for Sam Jackson. Every year is a busy year for Sam Jackson. <laughs> so you're not wrong. <laughs> so he's going. If I'm not mistaken, the trailers were very vague about what this was. Beyond the very, yep. was there even more than one trailer? Was there just like the, that main? It didn't show that... much of the movie. It didn't show. Uh, it was the train. Was the one theatrical trailer. There were a few very cryptic TV spots, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't until the review embargo broke a few days re- before release that we found out what this movie actually was. If you read those. If you read them, yes. Um, and I've always wondered, you know, that, that, that you know, the, the reception of this film was very divisive uh, mm-hmm. and it was not terribly leggy. Uh, it was not considered as, you know, relatively a hit. It only did about, you know, 256 worldwide, you know, cost 80 to make, give or take. And I've always wondered, you know, if people had known what they were getting into beforehand, would they have responded better to it? Because at the end of the day, I would imagine if you if you if you throw a bunch of people into the sixth sense without any knowledge and for 50 minutes, they're watching a movie about a kid with a mood disorder. And then at the 50 minute mark, it turns to Bruce Willis and says, I see ghosts. I imagine half the audience could be go, oh, neat. That's what this is. And the other half is going to become, that's absurd. You've lost me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, this is, this is where um, it, 
it's not like the films of M. Night Shyamalan get him that whole, uh, it's a twist, joke around. It was the marketing for this because you have the sixth sense. This would just be his next film, but the film sold itself that there was going to be another twist like the sixth sense. Like, oh, you remember that guy? He's got another twist well, I mean, for you. I mean, yeah, the six. I mean, Sixth Sense was such a monster hit where it's like, well, we can promote Shyamalan as a brand name, basically. Like that's what, right. That's, yes. that's what this after, movie cemented it as. Like after one film, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the last time I was so excited just because it, or or movie was so hyped because it was that direct a direct a first time director's like second. But well, he did something before this, didn't this is, he? Or it before was his third picture, just, but it yeah, was he, his first he did, major studio picture. Yeah, it he, was did, his, he had yeah. his, he's praying with anger. I believe it was his first movie. Then Wide Awake with uh, Rosie O'Donnell was his second, and Dennis Leary was his second movie. But and but yeah, a guy's but yeah, like Sixth Sense was obviously follow up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but a guy's follow up being an event like this. Like yeah. I mean Nolan had Memento, which was popular wasn't that's, that's but, a, it's a film buff movie right it's a yeah. film buff movie yeah but like what like i can't think you know because tarantino you know was a big deal for like jackie brown following pulp fiction or pulp fiction following reservoir dogs but is Shyamalan the like the last like i can't think of another guy where it's like oh his next film we gotta i mean uh, yeah you know, close encounters was yeah, after well, jaws yeah, i'm trying to i'm think... going forward in time going oh forward. i'm sorry i apologize <laughs> yeah. i mean i yeah i mean i'm trying to I mean, yeah, as far as the marketing set, because I can think of directors I like, I've pointed out things like, like Kugler or Ryan Johnson, but that's not because of that. They're not marketing off of their names. That's just more I mean, of you my, get from the director. That, of, that's more um, of me acknowledging the fact that these directors have come up from smaller things to going to bigger studio projects. But as far as, yeah, the director being like the mainline thing, Nolan is probably the best example since Shyamalan I can think of. Right. I mean, Wes Anderson, but it was always the indie circuit. Yeah, stuff. yeah even that he's not I mean, like a. You're marketing him for a certain audience, not for everybody. Right. Exactly. Um, and I just, I just want to stop real quick because we're getting we're we're already brushing past some stuff. But that opening sequence, I really <laughs> like that character actor Eamon Walker, um, who plays the the mm-hmm. doctor that comes in to see young Elijah there, um, and his and his mother Charlene Woodard, who's going to mm-hmm. be in Glass, which is like that's exciting. They, they, they're getting yeah. back some old cast members for that movie. Uh, but what I like right away about this um, Sixth Sense, which I just watched the other day, um, still brilliant. So we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we go along. Sixth Sense. There's obviously a style there. Shyamalan, you know, he has craft. He knows what he's doing behind the camera. This feels like a movie that's like, okay, now I'm really going to, like, go into it. In the same way, not necessarily the same as, like, Burton from Batman to Batman Returns, but kind of, because there's a lot of stylish work going on with the camera in this movie. Like, this shot right here, where it's a long shot between two seats in a train car, and it's going back and forth to, like, in place of, like, coverage, like, traditional coverage. It's just using one long take and shifting the perspective back and forth. And it just did that in the previous scene as well, where, like, it... Is using the reflection in the glass uh, to in the mirror to go <laughs> to go between Eamon Walker and and uh, Elijah's mother. Mother, uh, so it's like Shyamalan's really like he has a very low key drama that he's playing here, but he's it's stylish as hell. Like there's a lot going I mean, on with the camera. He's he's it's no I mean it's no he's super pretentious, and I I mean that in a a good way. Like I don't I don't think being pretentious is a bad thing. I mean mm-hmm. you, he'd get overboard with it the more money he get and stuff like that, but. Um, he, you know, he wants to make a regular scene, something special or a setup, you know, and this is, I think this is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't just, I just discount that. Yeah. But yeah, you're not wrong. Every scene feels precious in this movie as far as how he Mm -hmm. decides to handle it via his camera. Yeah. I wish more people would do that. (laughs) Yeah. There was very little coverage in this film. You know, there's huge amounts of, of this film that are just one long take. 
Um, which is fascinating to me. I've always felt this way. It's like he's making a movie about comic book superheroes, but they're all like long takes shot in scope, which to me, I guess, seems sort of the antithesis of what I think of a comic book. Yeah, because um, you're not getting like panel by panel frame type. You're yeah. not getting you're not getting Ang Lee's Hulk in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's what is a comic book, but you know, storyboards brought to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it works. I mean, this is. I would argue, you know, I I, I slightly prefer Sixth Sense because you know this movie never never made me cry, but I think this is his best made picture. Yeah. Um, if for no other reason that you know he's coming off the Sixth Sense, and you know this. You know, total carte blanche. I mean, he can, you know, he's got total, total control, uh, even in the marketing, which again, you know, it's, 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 you know, the, yeah, the one teaser trailer that told you nothing, nothing other than there's you a You want to know what the secret is. Exactly. You want to know what And this that is. was sort of, you were mentioning something earlier about, you know, the big twist. The film was sold as basically the big twist is what's going on. The twist is what is this movie? Last yeah. time, last time Bruce Willis was killed. Now we can't kill him. This yeah. Was... Well, it's funny because we, um, you know, we look at Shyamalan, and I'm talking in a general sense. People look at Shyamalan and they associate him with the idea of a twist. And there's only, if I had to, if we have, to, I think we've done this before, Scott, where it's like, yeah. there's only like maybe three <laughs> movies in his filmography <laughs> that I no, have. You're right. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's just like it's yeah. Sixth Sense. This Village. kind of like I don't, I don't this, necessarily no, think of this, this as a twist. Nope. Yeah, it's certainly not signs. And a lot of people, nope. that, and it's the kind of thing uh, that's like people, just like how people like to point out plot holes these days, it seems like people don't <laughs> have an understanding of what certain terms mean. Because the idea that exactly. water is a key in signs is not a twist in the story. That's just, it's, even, a, it's a reveal. It's it's, it's a, an answer. It's an answer to a question that's been set up or a set, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's a plot device. It's a payoff. It's a payoff. It's Chekhov's gun. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Yes, Absolutely. And that's um, much like this, there's you know, not. It's not Lady much... in the Water has no twist. The Happening has no twist. Mm-hmm. Um, After Earth, to my recollection, has no twist. It has no, no, it has no twist. Um, honestly, without spoiling it, because it's still a slightly newer movie, The Visit is probably my favorite Shyamalan plot twist. That's um, just because for me, that completely changes how the movie's perceived before the end. So it gives you time to, to pay off its payoff, so to speak. Um, and this film, I mean, we're, we're, the, the train's about to crash. It's so subtle in terms of its 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 action and its violence, and it's 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 a very clinical movie. Uh, <clears throat> up to a point, you know, his parents were doctors, um, and there's always been a certain clinical nature to his violence. You know, it's 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 not wallowing in gore, but it hurts. Yeah, um, yeah. Who do we just talk about, Brandon? Where the the Neil Marshall, Neil, Neil Marshall, Marshall yeah, yeah, directors, yeah. The best, directors yeah. who make movies that feel like they hurt. That's a, that's a fun mm-hmm. topic. <laughs> um, and all throughout this movie, he plays around with perspective as a way to establish character, well, to establish character and to sort of skew the way the information is delivered. You know, obviously, we had the mirror in the prologue, and we had this scene where you have his son learning about the train crash while sitting upside down watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea so, that, like, Spielberg took away Haley Joel Osment for AI, and so Shyamalan had to cast Spencer Trey Clark instead. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how I interpret this. <laughs> like, he was uh, going to get it back together, but it's like, ah, Spielberg's got him. <laughs> right, never mind. 
so much of this movie is visual. I mean, it's yes, the dialogue is terrific when people do talk, but and obviously it's a you know, even the dialogue is very cryptic to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, almost to the point of self parody. Um, and and Shyamalan is very strong with color too. It was very yes. it's very present in the Sixth Sense, and and very much so here. Like Sixth Sense is like almost a lot of reds, isn't it? Or is that one? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of reds. And, yes, and this red, one's red blues. Is an indica- red's an indicator of when there are ghosts around. Right, and signs is very green mm-hmm. and earthy, very earthy and earthy. Yeah. So here's um, his character actor Michael Kelly, who uh, probably best knows uh, from House of Cards and the mm. Zack Snyder oh, Donovan yeah. yep. film. Yeah, yep. he, he has he has hair, um, and he's very skinny. I always oh. think of it because I think in Dawn of the Dead he's like kind of buff and he has like a bald the bald spot going, and mm-hmm. then House of Cards he's back to being like rail thin all the time again. <laughs> and this scene is entirely one take. Uh huh. Um, it plays a perspective again too, because you're yeah. watching him in the background, and you get you, he's getting this monologue from the doctor, and in the foreground you have this guy who's eventually going to bleed out as we're learning pivotal information about Bruce Willis and how he's un- yes. un- unharmed in this horrible train accident that he just survived. And he's framed kind of the framing structure is interesting, and the the way the curtains are set like almost striped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like yeah. I mean, we talk about I mean, it's all shots. intentional. Like, it is intentional. Shaman, you yeah. know he was. It, yeah, it's it's it, there's there's a reason for every shot in this movie. But I mean, you mentioned Scott, you mentioned like the antithesis of comic book framing. But here you have like you do have scenes like this where it's all it's pretty stationary, and it looks yes. you can see this as a frame, and you can see you can see this as like multiple frames where like that blood appears slowly, slowly, slowly in different frames as you get more and more information. Oh. And there are plenty of I would argue iconic comic booky shots uh-huh. within the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, again, it just it sort of threw me for a loop, especially because he shot the Sixth Sense in in one eight five. That he would then go to this comic book superhero movie and do it in scope. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's not a criticism; it's just curiosity. But you know, it's funny though. At the time, our biggest comic book franchise had been Batman, mm-hmm. and that was those when it came to DVD and stuff. Those surprised me when they were one eighty five. Yeah, like yeah, Burton like, oh. very rarely shot in widescreen. Yeah. Like, and uh, Schumacher, Schumacher uh, followed suit. Yes, um, they, they wanted to show off Gotham. Like it's such a there's yeah. so, there's such stylish movies, and you have so much production design mm-hmm. going on. It's like yeah, put it all in there. Like mm-hmm. make it make it seem larger than life. Like that's my that's my take on it. Like I, yeah. yeah. Like, um, so sorry, I'm, I'm no, enjoying fine. this. No, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> there's a lot going on, and it's a good movie. But so Scott, you've, you've met, I know because I know Sixth Sense is like one of your favorite movies in general. Um, yeah. And then Unbreakable, you you say maybe his best made film. Brandon, where do you look at this movie versus the rest of Shyamalan's it, film? It's my it's probably I would say like my personal favorite is this one. Although his like I guess like his best film is probably Sixth Sense, and I don't mean that bad because it's you know his first big one, but it's just I don't know it all around holds up quite well. Speaking of House of Cards, um, here's Robin Wright. Uh, I I make arguments for for the village. I don't think it's as mm-hmm. terrible as people want to put it out there. Signs is just, is fun thriller. Um, but he kind of loses me all the way until the visit, which I I like the visit a lot. Uh, I thought Split was alright. I think he's back on the right track. It'll be interesting to see him with such uh, freedom again with Glass. But you know he's earned it. So yeah, I. I yeah, I would say Sixth Sense is my favorite of his, just because, like you said, I think it's just all around well made, and it's both emotional and an effective piece of like you know 
thriller work, supernatural thriller work. Like it just has all the pieces that come together. And you know, mm-hmm. there's there's three central performances that are all terrific in that movie. And not that he gets bad, not that he gets bad performances of anybody. I bet he think he's a great actor's director. I think that's been proven for the most part until a little mm-hmm. bit in the way in the middle. Well, that's where he sort of lost his mojo, and that's you know, yeah. It's... yeah. So we'll get to that, I guess. But I I do like Signs a lot, um, mm-hmm. and I yeah. almost say that, I almost have to say that in spite of myself because it's like on that line of when Gibson stopped being cool to me. <laughs> so it's like he's doing a great job here, and this is like kind of the end well, as far as my that was the end. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I was I was disappointed in the village. I think there's a lot of it's a great looking movie, and I think the the marketing for the village was phenomenal. I, I give it all the credit <laughs> in the world for the village, and I believe there's a great score. I haven't heard, I haven't watched it in a yeah. while, but I remember the no, it's a good score. I, I it's got a good opening credit good. sequence. The yeah, opening yeah. credits are great. I mean, too. there's a good like there's a good like hour in that movie where I'm like I'm in, just into all of this, but I, don't I feel like if that movie doesn't have his name attached to it, people like it more. I yeah. think they were. I mean, there's a certain thing you have going into a Shyamalan film where I don't know if people could guess what was going on early on because they knew they should be looking for something. Whereas if that's just directed by Joe Schmo, it could take them by surprise. They might like it better. But I felt like knives were coming out right about then with that film. See, I was all into because well, I, I felt that with signs people were trying to cut. Even mm-hmm. though that movie was obviously very successful and very well reviewed, but I still felt the same kind of tension there with a lot of people where they're like, ah, it's just aliens and water. Who cares? Like I felt that, that I, I remember that being somewhat prevailing also at the same time of it being successful. Why didn't they get out guns and start shooting? Them? Well, I think part of it was especially for people that really loved Unbreakable, it was no secret that Shyamalan Signs was intended to be a more commercial mainstream oh, sure. picture, even called it as a Walmart picture. So I think, now I, you know, I, I was not among these people, but I know there were those that would, you know, that were trying to argue that Signs was somehow like a, a sellout movie, like going from, you know, Batman Returns to Batman Forever, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to the extent I, that I, it I, is a yeah. popcorn picture, it's a freaking great popcorn picture. Yeah. You know, I saw it twice with packed audiences. It was mm-hmm. fun to watch. With oh, it's a audiences. it's a great audience movie oh, as yeah. far as the reaction. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, Ebert gave that four stars, and he was he was he was. If I recall, he was warm on Six Sense and Unbreakable, but like Science was yeah, like, this uh, is this is the master at work now. Like this, that's well, how it's, it's it's interesting because you know people always compared him to to Hitchcock in the early days. Mm-hmm. For me, the these Six Sense and Unbreakable were very, in my opinion, European in nature. You know, they remind me of Claude Chabrol pictures, which are very hmm. slow burn thrillers you know, with with somewhat of a genre payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. Sides was, I would argue, more pulpy Hitchcock. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, and that's not, you know, that's certainly not a criticism. That's what he's trying to do when it works. Yeah, it was, that was a pure genre movie. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't yeah. masquerading yeah, yeah, yeah. as anything else. It was yeah. like, here's a, pre- here's a premise The you know, the, the, uh, the, the, um, the farm. Yeah. Uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, it's the, it's the signs. I'm trying not to say signs. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, crop what, circles. Crop circles. Crop, circle, yeah, crop yeah. circles. What if they're aliens? Like that's that's a, yeah. And Mel, and Mel Gibson's in it. There, done. Like, um, up and coming Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, who's great in that movie? <laughs> yeah, everyone's great. Yeah. Even Shyamalan's great in that movie, which is yeah. rare. Yes. I don't say that often because he's not generally good in very movies. And uh, Cherry With, Jones, she's Cherry she's Jones. Good in yeah. It. yeah, the Colkin and uh, Breslin, they're good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very good film. Yeah. So, but anyway, the village. Yeah, I did. I did feel a drop off there. Just I did. 
I didn't like where it went, and Adrian Brody oh. was really annoying me in that movie. Where it's like, he's, <laughs> he's going for it. He's going for it on that one. Um, but like, honestly, I agree. Ha- I mean, yeah. I will bend over backwards to defend it, but I'm not going to pretend it's some great, fantastical, you know. No, it was no. a come down. Yeah. Um, I, Lady in the Water might be, might have, like, the best lead performance in a bad movie that I've seen. <laughs> Because yes. I think Paul Giamatti is absolutely amazing in that awesome. movie, and he has a great final monologue that's so emotional, yet that whole movie is terrible. <laughs> like, I just don't like that movie. No, it's the most self-indulgent garbage. Like, I... Yeah, that's the worst that... Shyamalan performance in a movie. So. That's where you turn around. As the writer who wrote the most important thing in the world. Oh, the reason that never bothered me, because for me, the implication was that he was only important because he got killed. Yeah, but right. it also has Bob Balaban as a critic that doesn't get it. Yeah, that was like, dumb. <laughs> no, again, I, I, I'm not going to defend it that much. So that was, and, yeah. and I don't want to keep doing Chiang because we should talk about this movie. But I, I, yeah. I'll just, I'll just say I don't, I don't hate the happening. I think there's a, weird, I enjoy that. It's happening. hilarious. There's a weird, yeah. fun movie it's, in there yeah. that's, it's too much for its own good because I think you just, it's, it's woefully miscast. But I do think that <laughs> the weird performances they get out of Wahlberg and Dash Chanel are. They're they're not unwatchable. That's for sure. It's a midnight movie, man. You put that in yeah. a theater with a bunch of people, like uh-huh. late at night. Oh gosh, it's yeah. a hoot. And speaking of great acting, I think John Leguizamo. He's great in that movie. <laughs> oh no, he's yeah. really good. He, like he gets the most emotional scene in that movie, and it's so wonderful. I, I will say, like, I'd rather watch that than Lady in the Water again. Um, it's like a half an hour shorter, I believe. See, too. So. If I never have to see After Earth again, I'd be awesome. But I don't really, I don't know if I blame him too much for After Earth. I feel like some star power seeped in. I think After Earth is a fine three-star boys' life adventure movie. You give that like um, a, like two and a half stars more than I would. That's fair. That's I fair. Think, I, I don't think it's a disaster. I just well, think it ultimately doesn't work. I could. I, I, I had. I think when you ask Will Smith to take away his charisma, it doesn't lead to good things. I admire that he tries that, but I don't think it works well. And yeah. you have to follow Jaden for a whole movie? No. And it's not Karate Kid? No. <laughs> not not in that movie, because he's just bratty. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's talk about this movie again. Because um, <laughs> we got Bruce Willis, who's giving one of his two best performances, <laughs> right? Am I, am I Certainly wrong up this? there. Like, I, yeah. I, look, I look at these... The this six... and, you know, Good Day to Die Hard. I, I, shut up. This is better <laughs> than The Kid? I look, I look at Sixth Sense, which I just like. Ah, I said, that's I just, movie I just, run. Holy shit! I just watched, and I and, uh, and I and I watch, and I look at this. And Sixth Sense, I, re- I just learned this, and that, and I guess the kid. Those were contractually obligated movies. They weren't movies he necessarily yes. wanted to do. They were mm-hmm. movies that Disney forced him to do. So it's like, well, he killed it in Sixth Sense anyway. Like he still tried, <laughs> which that's a that seems like a lot because Willis. He gets money and he chooses to do things now that he's too lazy to give effort to. So the fact that he was contractually obligated <laughs> right. to do a movie and he gave a great performance in it, it's like, wow, things have really changed in 20 years. Well, <laughs> I well, I think part of it, if I recall, uh, he was very unhappy with with Mercury Rising. Uh huh. And I wasn't. He I sort of viewed this, you know, the success specifically as okay, this is good. This is a good script. You know, I'm going to give this my all. Uh-huh. 
I'm heavily paraphrasing here. No, and but... I, I don't think you're wrong because I think I mean as much crap as I want to give Willis for being lazy, I also think he knows what he. I think he knows what good filmmaking is, or good filmmakers, or good scripts are, and that's why I think mm-hmm. he he knows who if he I know he knows he can look at Wes Anderson and Ryan Johnson and think these are guys that are gonna do something special versus Stallone with his Expendables movies be like I don't need to do anything here like <laughs> yeah. Like, it's almost like the, fun, the old, but then you had to go make sequels. Yeah, or the as old, much, the old, the, no, go ahead. Sorry. As much as I don't like the fifth Die Hard movie, he probably looked at that script as like, I also don't like this fifth Die Hard movie, so why should I care as much compared to Live Live Free or Die Hard, which is like they seem like they're trying in this. Like, so I mm-hmm. I can get it. It doesn't make me excuse certain things. I, I will but. say though, like I don't I don't know, like I'm not the biggest you know fan of it. I'm not trying to promote it or anything, but like I thought it looked like he gave like half a crap in death wish like i there was a little bit of a spark there that i'm like i he either likes eli roth or he thought this was a better project like there seemed to be a care there that i hadn't seen in him since probably the moonrise kingdom Uh, looper year see i was it's a nofriel brings out you know brings out something yeah and you know i don't want to oversell that movie because it's not quite good no it was significantly less terrible than i was expecting um, Here's another fancy scene, but, by the way, where this whole shot's yes, like from reflection. a TV reflection from glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a subtle film, especially when you've seen it once before. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like you can, um, like, people like to talk about how it's like it's slower and it's more deliberate, but it's like, yeah, but it's also stylish. Like it's so direct. Yeah. It's a very directed movie. I'll be honest. I liked it quite a bit when I first saw it, but I, you know, I saw it opening night, you know, Wednesday night. I saw it again that Saturday, and that's when I fell in love with it. Because it just, you know, it was just firing at all cylinders the second time around. Um, and I think to the point where, you know, and I, again, you know, I can't expect general consumers to say, oh, you have to see this twice to really get it. But this is a film that that really plays well when you know the cards that it has up its sleeves already. Because yeah, you can save your stuff like the purple wrapping paper for this comic book. Mm-hmm. Um or the use of, of, of comic book framing and the use of, uh, you know, the, obviously the colors and, and the fact that, you know, in a scene coming up in about 10 minutes where you see Sam Jackson walking like a walking action figure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw this movie opening night. Not opening, <laughs> I saw this opening weekend with my mom, um, and she was big on this movie. She Because she, she was a big Sam Jackson fan in general. She loved seeing him doing different things all the time in different movies, which he does <laughs> very effectively. And so she loved the, the idea of the, the just, they called me Mr. Glass. She repeated mm-hmm. that. She, used to repeat, she repeated that a lot after we saw that movie. <laughs> she was just really into that idea. That they called me Mr. Glass. That stuck with her. But, um, yeah, no, I was, and obviously I was considerably younger, but, uh, you know, as we all were. But, I I was just like, okay, cool. It's a movie from the guy that did The Sixth Sense, which I also saw with my mom the previous summer. So I was like, all right, let's see what this is. And I didn't know anything about what it was beyond, that. okay, there's a trailer. <laughs> that's that's what I got. Yeah, me too. With. And came out as like, oh, okay. Like, I, I didn't get hung up in the idea. It's like, oh, he fooled me or something like that. I was just like, oh, that was that was really solid. And I and I'm a guy, I like Sam Jackson. Like, I, I saw Shaft that summer, Brandon. So I was like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I've, I've grown up on Die Hard of a Vengeance. Like, like it Sam's... was his duty to cl- uh, to please that booty that summer. Uh, no, I I when I went to this like the the comic thing comes like so early like that's not the twist. The twist is that Mister Glass has been going around wreaking havoc and yeah. wants to be an arch 
I, you know, Nemesis. He's, they, he's the he was the uh, the father of all your destruction, James. Yes, <laughs> but it's, it's just like it's just a reveal or something. It's not like a twist. Yeah, he's part of whatever. Spectre. That's that's what Frankly, I really. I I I don't think the sixth sense is that much of a twist so much as you know. I always consider that the epilogue. The climax is the scene in the car. And that, that's why the movie holds up as well for me, is that it's a great movie before the twist. No, you're the exactly right. It's just sort of you no, know, no, a totally. cherry on top. You're exactly right. I mean, but it's not like the movie was, you know, yeah. it's not like it's not like I was like, we can go back and shoot this at the end. Like the movie lays clues out all oh, the way yeah, through. Of course, like of it's not try it, right. it it is trying to fool you, but it just happens to also have a great central narrative involving a boy and his and his mother. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're you're exactly right though. I I don't deny that either. You can watch the movie and not have that be in there, and you're completely satisfied because like this is a really emotional arc that I responded to. It just happens yes. to also have this really cool thing at the end. Look at Jackson's hair. It is amazing in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. it so well, it's, it's super villain hair. Great. It's so good. <laughs> you know, it's when you've seen this movie, every time you look at him, like, oh, he's obviously the villain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course he is. I mean, he looks, you know, he's got the costume, he's got the hair, he's got the, the cane. Well, that's one thing that's great, well, too, when we talk about the Shyamalan thing. You go back to his movies, like, everything that could possibly, everything holds up the second time around, because he's thought about that, like, oh, they're going to see something in a completely different light the next time, and it's all so well thought, it holds up. There's, like the this, sixth sense. It's this whole speech right here is wonderful to me. Like this was <laughs> this is a time when like it, it seemed like to me it was like a competition between Christopher Walken and Sam Jackson of who can give like the most hilarious monologue sequences in movies. Mm-hmm. And like you have this one where he's like explaining like why this is not a child's toy store, <laughs> and he's like berating this man <laughs> for wanting to purchase art for his kid. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's like I don't. Like what he's doing there is seemed to me like unique, like an art gallery with comic book art. Yeah, wow. Now yeah. that's like pick a pick a night on the weekend where someone's showing that stuff off. Mm-hmm. There's well, music- that's what this whole movie is. It's, it's yeah. it was a comic book superhero movie that was you know a prestigious adult you know A level studio drama that you know if mm-hmm. you were a superhero nerd that was like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever someone's yeah. taking this seriously right. Um, and that's now they, why, they sell yeah. it on the comic book factor. They hit it when they released yeah. it, but now if it came out, it'd be the selling point. Yeah, and like we have, you know, like but we have like Kickass, which would be the other, you know, the similar kind of thing where like superhero in the real world type thing. Yeah. Well, and this kind of started its own little genre by you know. Uh, as far as like, uh, yes, yeah, grounded like, in the real world superhero movies. Yeah, like Defender and yeah. Special. And, um, uh, mm-hmm. What's that James and, Gunn one? Super. For, super. Yeah, super. Yeah. And for that matter, I would argue that Signs, maybe it didn't invent it, but it certainly popularized the whole, this giant event is happening from the point of view of this very small cast of characters. And you don't see anything that they don't see. I mean, it yeah, um, didn't, didn't invent you know, that, but yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly, yeah. a, it's certainly a, a large-scale representation of that yeah. kind of genre. No, he didn't invent it. You know, Night of the Living Dead's probably yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, good forebearer right there. But yeah. yeah. Um, also in a farmhouse. You mentioned what if the marketing, like, advertised this up front, like, made it evident that we were watching a movie about comic book superheroes and villains. If I, w- I could see that playing differently back in 2000. I wonder how this would go if this came out, like, now. Well, it I, would be... I, Tough because there's not a lot of action film. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's not. There's no marquee sequences that are like these are the big trailer moments that you have to sell. Or look at Glass. I mean, Glass is selling you on 
big moments that seem to be coming at the beginning of the movie, but still. (laughs) And nostalgia. And and because right now you saw a movie with Bruce Willis, like right here is peak selling it on Bruce Willis. And it oh. it's funny that it's trying to cash in on nostalgia for a movie that, you know, is recognized, but I wouldn't say is a, you know, time honored classic necessarily for a general audience. <coughs> yeah. I'll be curious. I mean, it's tracking super well, so what the fuck do yeah. I know, I guess? But I mean it also like cost twenty million dollars. So even if it pulls the elegant covenant, they'll still make a fortune. Yeah, but at the same time, there certainly <laughs> seems to be a, a rabid audience looking forward to yeah. this movie as a sequel to yes. Split, which was a hit, but also this movie. Where I guess because Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis are just names on a movie that helps as well, but at the same time it's like they're old. Like it's is yeah. there is there a young audience that saw Unbreakable when they're like nine and like they're like oh But man. there's always been the Dude. demand for an Unbreakable <laughs> sequel though. That's that's the thing. Like, like every time Shyamalan every right? time Shyamalan yeah. does a movie, he's answering questions about Unbreakable. Like I'll tell you this, I didn't see Split till Blu-ray. I didn't make it in the theater. Uh huh. And. I did not know that it was connected. Somehow I missed it. Wow. Good for you. That it was you connected. You were reading my articles. <laughs> Traitor. Well, if I haven't if I haven't seen it, I won't read no, the no, review yet. But you know, it did pop up a lot. Was Shyamalan talking about a breakable sequel? So when it came around, and I kept seeing those headlines. I was like, oh gosh, this always comes up every time he makes a damn film. <laughs> so I I chalked it up with that, and then that's why when I I, I was shocked. When I, I saw it on Blu-ray first, I was like, holy crap. And I'm like, oh, that's why all those articles started popping up. It was actually for real this time. That's, a, that's <laughs> impressive. That's very impressive. That said, I mean, remember, Scott, they screened this split uh, at AFI, AFI Fest in November. And so we, like, a lot they of us critics. Fantastic Fest in September. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, like, a, a bunch yeah. of us had to hold this in until January. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even breathe a word of it till after opening weekend. Um... And even then, it was sort of I know I don't think I wrote a piece about the whole conundrum or whatever you want to call it uh-huh. until the end of its second weekend, because yeah. I figured okay, a it's a huge hit because it's leggy as hell, um, and b okay I can as long as I give a spoiler warning, there we go. And that's another yeah, but, movie where I have to explain that's not a twist either. That's just a, yeah, that's another yeah. like plot reveal. It's an epilogue. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's it's a grace note. It doesn't affect anything else in the movie that happens. No. You just know that it's also a part of another thing. <laughs> it's not a twist. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm surprised I never I did dig in spoil me for me as well. But I mean that's I, as much as I click read stuff like I'm like oh wow how did I miss <laughs> how did I not have that spoiled for me? But thankfully I didn't. But it wouldn't have changed the movie for me at all. It's it's like two seconds at the end of the credits. Yeah. This is a fun year for Willis. I'm just looking at it now. The whole nine yards. I love that movie. That's and, fun. Uh, yeah. He's, he's got a he's got a three episode arc in Friends. Oh he's, yeah, he's, he's got, great friends. He's this got was the, sort of his peak as sort of yeah. he's got a the movie kid. star and respected actor. Yeah, well, even like the stuff around it, like Bandits. I mean, Brandon, yeah. that's the one that you're a big fan of, I know. I right? love like, Bandits. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's a that's a solid like actor's movie right there. Mm-hmm. Hearts War, not great, but this. Still, like, yeah, he I starts get, doing Hearts War, Tears of the Sun, and starts. So like Hearts War, I think that's like the end of like because that's still like that's going for prestige, just work, but it's still yeah. going. And that and then it has like up and comer Colin Farrell in there. Colin Farrell is like that's like that, and what's the other one of Al Pacino? Um, oh, the, uh, the recruit, the recruit, the, like that's yeah. like yeah, he's like coming in there, and he's like let me minority let me, report. Let me let me team up this new guy with some of these older stalwarts here. But yeah, um, like yeah, he's coming off of Sixth Sense, obviously, which is ginormous. The story of us is a dud, but you know, it's 
it's it's another Rob Reiner film that try. doesn't work as well as any of the good Rob Reiner films from back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were talking about like his best. What what do you guys think his best performance is? Bruce Willis. Yeah. I honestly, I wait, I look at these two. I look at Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, Twelve Monkeys like is like yeah. because there's nothing like it from him. And there's I'll always point to the scene uh, with him and Madeline still in the car, and he hears the song on the radio. I'm like. That's an amazing moment right there that he pulls off. That's one where he's where, like got like, tears in his eyes and he's mm-hmm. and he, I think it is a Doc of the Bay or Wonderful World. He's hearing it's just, no Wonderful World's later. I think it's Doc of the Bay. Doc of the Bay. I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, but it's just an incredible moment for him. That's one where, as I know, um, Gilliam like literally had Willis like he had a list of things that Willis does in movies that he told him not to do in this in that movie. Like mm-hmm. that's that's how he got him to give that performance. Um. That's such a damn good movie. Oh, yeah. 12 Monkeys, yeah. yeah. It's one of my top 10 films of all time. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, it's uh, up there. A very new uh, Arrow Blu-ray came out uh-huh. last year that has a brand new transfer on it, so it looks better. It looks and sounds better than ever, mm-hmm. um, if you want to go for that, listeners. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so those, so this Six Sense and 12 Monkeys, I, yeah, those are... I like I, 16 Blocks as well. That's one yes. we always like to plug. I mean, Die Hard is very good. His, the first Die Hard. I mean, oh, yeah, Die I mean, Hard's he's, good. He's, yes. he's, he's terrific. Die Hard with a Vengeance, he's good. Mm-hmm. The, uh, moral Thoughts, very against type. Uh, it's the... a 1991 movie with uh, Gene, Glenn Headley and Demi Moore. Uh-huh. He basically plays a very violent, abusive husband. And that's all I'll say about it. There's a number of like wow. weird ones in that like post Die Hard that he did. Like, there's what's the yeah. one with um, look who's talking. I'm just kidding. The uh, one with uh, <laughs> uh, Paul Paul Newman. Oh, nobody's full. Nobody's oh, yes. full. Yeah. Like he's got a supporting cool. role in that one. Is that before yes. Die Hard or is that after? that's after Die Hard? Yeah. Um. And obviously, like yes, Pulp Fi- you know, he's got Pulp Fiction where he's kind of dialing it down to a degree. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he, you know, he had a run where he was. Get to the point where people will compare him to to Bogart, not unreasonably. And he, what he was doing was he basically he was making movie movies, dramas, comedies, whatever. And he would sort of do a diehard just when his box office was, you know, pool was sort of dwindling. Yeah, because he has that period between like like ninety like one to ninety to ninety five. Yeah, ninety ninety five. He could have fizzled, and then ninety five to this, he's just bam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, for sure, yeah. Between this, I mean, well... Yeah. They still have Armageddon, Fifth Element, just, I mean, oh. so much stuff that, like, your Mercury Risings can seep through the cracks and not even... Mm-hmm. Well, even that, Keo, two months later, was Armageddon, which, like it or not, it's his, it was his highest grossing movie at the time. Um, And then, you know, when he was whittling a little bit in 2007, that's why he finally did Die Hard 4, for better or worse. Um, Didn't really salvage his career in any logical sense, but... That was just because, you know, times had changed. Well, it's funny. Um, it's during that time, like, he was able to keep afloat, keep a movie star. And, you know, Stall- uh, you know, Schwarzenegger went was the governor. Stallone was, like, straight to video. And now here we are. Stallone can get in the theater easy and Willis is straight to video. <laughs> Pretty God, much. I never thought I'd say he looks so young and unbreakable. But he looks so young and unbreakable. Yeah. He has a baby face in this movie, yeah. honestly. Like, it's a, it's a weird yeah. effect. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just because he's, you know. He's just obviously younger. Maybe it's because he's he's going for the bald look here, but he's younger than he is now, so it just like it registers differently because he was still like trading off hair every now and then in the nineties. He looked like forty to fifty for a long time. <laughs> like this. 
I have to say, for what it's worth, this whole conversation is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, both of them look as iconic as they're supposed to look. They're digging deep into the subtext. You know, there's obviously humor, the credit card line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just sort of, a, to me, this move, this scene encapsulates what this movie is trying to do. For better, you know, it's, it's obviously it's not an action sequence, but... And that's why I think one of the reasons this movie is as engrossing as it is, is that the conversations are exciting. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, I mean, even when you've seen the movie, it's still like, cause you, it's weird. Cause like, you know, we've seen, I assume all of us have seen this movie multiple, multiple times at this point, but yes. you're still like intrigued by the nature of this relationship, where it's going and how it functions as a, a riff on superhero logic within the realms of a drama. And that's yes. it's it's so unique that it's exciting to watch because there's not there's nothing like this. There's no other film that feels like this movie. Yeah, I mean that's that was what was so exciting about it back in 2000 when, to a certain extent, comic books and superheroes were still a somewhat, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, disrespected genre. And it was it was. It was almost, you know, again, you know, I, I, I grew up on superheroes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, to, you know, this was sort of like, you know, the superheroes getting to sit at the adult table for once. Well, it's funny. We keep, we always say that, you know, like they weren't respected. They weren't taken. But like I felt with, you know, with Donner Superman, it felt like, oh, someone's taking this seriously. Someone's making yeah. it with with Burton's Batman. Oh, someone's taking this seriously. They're doing well. Uh, and then you know you get like you know Blade X Men. Someone's taking this, and it's every. <laughs> it felt like these movies where you know nowadays like oh finally someone takes it seriously. They were. I feel like a lot of these properties were already taken yeah, seriously. It was remember the audience the, that wasn't. Remember the hilarity of uh, Brian Singer's X Men that starts in Auschwitz. Like oh yeah. man, they, oh gosh, they were not taking it seriously back then, guys. It was just well, a and this fest. was and that was you know sort of the the crossing over point. Mm-hmm. Um. But this, I mean, this is obviously something very different. I mean, this right. is basically a prestige drama that happens to be a superhero movie. It's where you trick them into going to the yeah. superhero movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as someone that whose favorite parts of these movies are often the conversations between the hero and the villain, I love this shot. This yeah. whole like, sequence right here. Um, and it's so colorful. It, obviously, it's a very muted picture, but the colors really do just pop. Oh, yeah, because you have a great blank background, and you can look at him in his green versus Sam Jackson in his purple suit, one mm-hmm. of many, and like <laughs> just really enjoy the idea of this. And, I mean, speaking of just as far as like kind of how audience and tone of these movies plays, it's the it's same as like comedy. Where like something that's edgy back in 1950 isn't edgy now. Like it's this that's the same right. kind of yeah. logic. You can't you can't you can't go back and say they didn't take it seriously back then. You just have to say no. The 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 taste of audiences and how they perceive things was different at that time. Like that yep. just makes sense. Like that's how things function. Things evolve. Oh. Darwin, I Ching, we've got to roll with it. I am. <laughs> Um, I love his coat. Like it's such a like it's just, it's so big and billowy like on him. Yeah, but it's it's a super villain coat. Um, and you know, watching the movie on a second time, you know, it's like especially this scene's like my God, he's a he's an action figure. He looks exactly like him because of the way he's walking because of his injuries or whatever. He's walking like an action figure. You know, a kid mm-hmm. trying to slowly awkwardly make a guy walk. 
Look at this car that he has. Nice car yeah, for a guy is... that basically works in an art gallery. But he also like it's so designed for him. It's all cushioned yes. everywhere. Like I, mm-hmm. that's that's great detail and storytelling without having to tell you what it is that's going on here. Also, oh. you shouldn't have a, cla- a glass cane. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's that's, 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 that's <laughs> hole. It's got a rubber stopper on the bottom. We're fine. Cinema Sins for eight point eight. Um, guy, I don't know his actor's the actor name. There's another character actor that pops up. Actually, he's in House of Cards too. <laughs> but um, this, but um, this, he's. Well, that's one of the things, things that, that stood out to me, especially in the quote unquote early years, is how well Shyamalan cast bit players. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew that I was going to love the visit. Is within the first couple minutes, the kids are on the train, and you had the the train guy just being goofy just for the hell of it. And it's like, oh, my God, not only is this movie good so far, it's good in exactly the way I remember Shyamalan's movies being good. Or having Catherine Hahn as the mom yeah, who, Catherine like, Hahn, goes yeah. through, like, 16 different emotions and saying goodbye to her kids on that train station, like, in, yes. one, in like, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, This is a great shot. Like, just the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just understanding the stakes right here of him trying to catch up with this person, knowing what he is, and seeing stares. Like... <laughs> Speaking of great performances, I mean, I think this is a top one of one of my favorite Sam Jackson performances. I mean, I think he's absolutely terrific oh, in this yeah. movie. I mean, he's a guy who we already know at this point because we've seen this movie is evil, but we have nothing but you know <laughs> at least empathy for him, just given the scenario he's in. Oh, he's, he's, uh, that's he's, why you don't have a glass cane. He's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's so twisted up inside that he's got his whole life looking for literally the opposite version of himself. Mm-hmm. And here's another upside down shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I could just spend this entire commentary going, "Oh, this shot looks awesome. Oh, this shot's gorgeous." But I mean, it's it's. What's what happens? This though, is I such mean, such an immaculately made picture. Well, Shyamalan now has a a filmography that's like got two really awesome slices of bread and some expired meat in the middle, uh, <laughs> like. That's the one thing, like, he is a guy, a director that you give the personal projects to that really does. He's not like a, a glorified second unit director or a or a like a, you know, old school studio guy, workhorse director. He's someone that you would he fits more in the 70s because his films, you can look at them. I mean, there's just, I don't know, artistry cheap word but there's a difference between him and some people that we've given that kind of nomenclature to that don't really that aren't really that you know like he's good with all aspects all surrounding when he's and when he's on fire you get this you get six tenths you get um the visits signs yeah Yeah, you get you get those things and those are fun those are films that are uh educational like to look at um, they play well on paper. They, you know, they're fun. They just work on every level. I mean, while and then we got, you know, I know people, dogs, Zack Snyder and stuff, but he'd be an amazing second unit director for anybody. <laughs> well, even he has, you know, think, he puts his passion into. Things but even yeah, he does. Them. I mean, it's not like right. You know, I'd rather you know see Zack Snyder or M Night Shyamalan pictures than you know adam shankman's unbreakable or something like that <laughs> yeah like... right um that's a name i drew too i don't know why <laughs> like, that's, that's like, uh, i'm just trying to think of like the middle of the road dennis like, duggan they, they get there you go dennis duke yeah any of the 
Stephen Brill. Like, just these. Because yeah. Yeah. these are, like, the like because you look at, like, this is why I hate the Razzies. Like, they put, like, so many people under the bus by not seeing movies, but just going off of whatever, like, seems popular to hate on. Or there's no consider, there's no, like, thought of, like, who are the people that are just, like, middle of the road, don't try, get paid millions just to get people together in a room kind of directors? Oh, and wait, those, that's, we were just talking, um, uh, uh, da, 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 uh, D- uh, uh, David Ayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's like, he's like, hmm, I like Unbreakable. I wonder if there's any good, uh, podcast commentaries for it. <laughs> I liked harsh times. Um, but, but, but yeah, some people, I don't know. Many would probably, are you calling Trevorrow in that group? I don't think I've seen oh. enough from him to really make that judgment. I think we're, it's still up in the air, but, yeah. um, God, has there ever been a guy that whose career actually got hurt by making a well-reviewed $1.6 billion movie? George Lucas seems like that's, a pretty good candidate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just insane to me. I just, I just, ugh. that's for another day. Here's a fun scene of Willis lifting the weights. Mainly because of all the strain on his face, but also it's a, it's another scene that revolves around the importance of perspective because the camera, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's all about the kid putting more weight on and you know, any other human could just look to the left or the right before yeah. he does all this, but because the, kid, the the movie's forcing you to see it the way he sees it, it's like, oh, he put more on. I didn't realize that only because the camera didn't tell me he'd put more on. He's constantly framing Willis in these narrow areas, if you uh-huh. notice, going yep. back from the train between the seats and the doctor's office afterwards right here in the hallways of the stadium. It Yeah, it's very deliberate because we get to that whole, you know, the big like I'm going to be a superhero now moment where he goes to that train station. Then it's super wide. It yeah. All yeah. the space he needs to, to just uh, take on the, I like that the kid backs up as if like, it's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's backing up. Is, from the, this. is this the first time we hear the full unbreakable theme, which to this day, I'd love to have as my ringtone. Unbreakable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other one, um, <laughs> which better freaking be in glass. It's, I'm gonna be pissed. I can't imagine it not be. I imagine they will. <laughs> is, is, uh, I'm concerned because I haven't seen it in the trailers. Is, well, you gotta hold that. Uh, I mean, who's yeah, yeah. Is, is James Newton Howard scoring it? No, he's not. Um, it's somebody that frankly I've never heard of. It's West Dillon. Um, well, he probably did Split because he got yeah, yeah he did Split because he got the same guy that did um uh, uh Foxcatcher. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. I love that. Because well, remember, like we this. were at, we were both the same. We were at the same screening. It was like a, he yes. like, he cherry picked a bunch of people. Like he got the cinematographer from It Follows to do Split. Yeah, and he, he got like he saw, he kept seeing like other little movies. He's like, I want to get this guy in here and this guy. Oh, well, <laughs> like, well, that was interesting. He was he was somebody that was basically getting the cool kids of the generation after him to come make him look good. And I don't mean that it's a criticism. That's smart. And he could also <laughs> afford them because it's a Bloomhouse movie yes. and he can't hire, you know, he can't yeah, hire Roger I, Deakins it, to film Split for him. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, God, I, 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 you know, to state the obvious, I love the theme to this picture, the, 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 the superhero theme. Um, I mean, I would argue that it's up there with William Superman and Bert, uh, Elfman's Batman and all that stuff. And Howard the Duck, of course. Like, yeah, all the yes, ones. Yes, yes. Uh, 
<laughs> the uh, Dolph Lundgren Punisher theme. Mm, yes. <laughs> From the director's cut. Before the Menendez kids killed their dad. This. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. This. <laughs> This That's what watched. happened to that movie. <laughs> I know. That's why it didn't get a theatrical release. This whole I series. did not know that. <laughs> You'll have to explain that to me later. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. That, that got, that, that's a fun Wikipedia search for everybody at home. Um, yeah, this whole sequence is great. Just them putting more and more weight on and have like so we haven't talked much about like you know the human drama going on within this superhero movie. <laughs> like Willis's life is not great. I mean he's somewhat estranged from his life his wife even though they're living in the same house still his kid seems to barely know him but they're, they're but they're like just getting along now that they have this kind of like hey i'm super strong you want to help me out with that that kind you're of thing the only on. person who believes me yeah so it's you know th- i mean that's that's what adds to why this is one of i think willis's better performances best performances because he's playing a real person uh, yeah. much like is what he got famous for to begin with by playing a real person in an extraordinary circumstances and he's doing that again here but even mm-hmm. more vulnerable uh, this film, you know, is very much using the superhero mythology as a terrible metaphor, whatever, for you know, a a midlife crisis, and b to a certain extent. And I don't mean this in a critical sense. You know, uh, white male adolescent power or uh, power fantasies, mm-hmm. um, and you know, especially the idea of you know, you know, every kid thinks their dad's a superhero, blah blah blah. Well, this is you know, subtext made text. And especially in a situation where you have a kid that has, to a certain extent, lost lost the "Wow, my dad's the greatest person on earth" thing. Now he finds out that his dad, his father's an actual superhero. Um, and it's weird how much this shares with with the Incredibles. Um, that you know also plays into you know a midlife crisis story as the pushing drive of a superhero story. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's it's fun how much Incredibles um, and and Brad Bird doesn't like to acknowledge the idea that Unbreakable and Watchmen share very similar things <laughs> to yeah. his movie. Mm-hmm. And he prints like, oh, never heard of that one before. Oh, Unbreakable, I didn't realize that. It's it's weird how that kind of played out there. What's this James Bond thing you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Flint. Is it like that? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Uh, um, the idea of Sam Jackson falling downstairs and breaking more. I'm surprised it's only the leg that seems to be like the biggest thing that happened to him. Because it's like that was a hard fall that he took down those stairs. Um. Well, they probably you know couldn't just be in a spend the rest of the movie in a body cast. That would look weird. Too Hopkins. weird even for this movie. Hopkins could do it. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Daniel Day Lewis could do it. <laughs> I I get it. I understand. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean he's and he's certainly like he's immobile now and needs a wheelchair as opposed to getting around the way he was. And Glass seems to be holding that as well. Apparently, he never got better. That's sad. I mean, look at his leg right there. It doesn't look like yeah. he's gonna get any better. <laughs> Unless there's a giant uh, twist where like Sarah Paulson gives him healing medicine or something or snaps everybody out of existence or some nonsense. I don't know. <laughs> um. And again, I'm I'm always pleased when you have a film where the female lead has scenes that aren't just with the male lead. Um, so this scene to me is a bonus, even though obviously it's very important for the sake of the plot. Um, 
But again, this is a very exciting conversation where, you know, obviously two primary characters meet each other without realizing that they, well, without one of them realizing that, you know, but it's also very cryptic plot details mm-hmm. that are tossed out in a very engrossing manner. We should note that Julianne Moore was originally going to play the role that yes. Robin Wright Penn was in. She she wanted billing. She wanted billing, but then she also got the Hannibal call, and it was, I, you know, I can understand that. It's like you could be yeah. the star in the sequel to Silence of the Lambs, a wildly mm-hmm. successful movie. <laughs> um, and Hannibal which, was huge. Yeah, it, oh it, yeah, it, it was it, what it was like the biggest star rated movie, third biggest opening weekend of all time. Box office wise, she made the right choice. Yeah. And, you know, whatever issues I have with that movie, they're not her fault. No. Uh, my, my issue is that, you know, they took a novel that was supposed to be a satire and tried to play it straight. Um, but if anyway. Only, if only the Ridley Scott that directed Matchstick Men made Hannibal. Yes. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of the Ridley Scott that made White Squall. Yes. <laughs> Starring uh, Golden Globe, Cecil B. the Bill Award winner, Jeff Bridges. One thing I will say that was kind of awkward is he's talking about these three very specific disasters as if we're supposed to already know about what, you know, about, we're already supposed to know about them. And there is a deleted scene where Bruce Willis speaks with a priest um, where he goes into detail about those three disasters. And especially in retrospect, those three, those three situations are discussed in such a yellow highlighter kind of way that it's almost a surprise that you don't guess that, oh, Somehow these are connected, and maybe he's behind it or something. It's the mm. kind of thing where the movie, the movie's not perfect. So it's no, no, like, no. It's the, well, yeah, I, that was something I, that stuck out with me when I first saw it. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I like that the I like the idea of Shyamalan trying to basically build a world. Um, yeah, you know, as if you're getting a there's Shyamalan by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, have, here we go! It's a big cameo. Yep. Um, great color use right here, and saturating the movie too. But like the idea that he's building a world within this, where yeah, you have a this is a place where giant disasters have happened, in mm-hmm. and there's like comic book characters that you've never seen. Like you, you look at the the action comic stuff that, he's, that Sam Jackson's focused on in the in the movie, and you know it's not heroes you know, it's new heroes that Shyamalan created specifically for this movie. It's it's a presumed world where people know those characters and people know about these certain disasters or whatnot, and you can speak about it in the pre- the past tense as if it just all adds up. No known IP, no thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, you know, for whatever reason, he cast himself in that, and that's fine. But you know, again, even when I first saw it, I was like, well, this makes him kind of look kind of racist. It's pretension. Because he's that's totally fine. pro. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, he's also he's not far off from what reality does. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It probably doesn't help that the guy actually is a drug dealer, so it's... Yeah. I, I hadn't seen... When I... It was a, there was a gap between when I saw this movie theatrically and when I bought the DVD, and so I kind of forgot that Shyamalan wasn't the doctor at the beginning, because he's the doctor in Sixth Sense. So right. I, so I, 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 in my mind, I always thought... He's the doctor, and the, like, and I, and that extended to the trailer, where I was like, I was remember, I was remembering the trailer wrong to think he's in the trailer narrating the things that go on. It was like, oh, he's not even the doctor. He's this Wait, guy. Wasn't he like? He wasn't in. Wasn't he a doctor in Signs? Like they don't show him doing doctoring stuff, but like, wasn't no, that like the profession of him? Oh, uh, in Signs, I don't know. I'm trying. Well, I can look that up real quick because like, because he's, he's the guy that traps the alien. But yeah, I'm trying to. Think he's the guy that traps the alien. He also like. He's killed the guy that killed, killed, killed the, the guy that killed his wife. wife. Yeah. Yeah. 
the guy that turned M- Mel Gibson into the man he is now. Let me see here. <laughs> the origin story. Ray Reddy, the man responsible for his death. I don't see anything about him being a doctor. Okay. I mean, that seems like a specific detail that you probably have to watch the movie to find out. Right. They don't like water. <laughs> I got <laughs> trapped. I got I got one trapped in my uh, my closet. <laughs> I remember that not to be on signs, but I remember like I saw it in the theater a couple times, and every time like before he drove off and mentioned that line, you could hear this <gasps> in the theater. It's amazing like, how well this... the scares are placed in that movie because it's like when you when you describe them, they don't seem that scary. But like watching like if you said like the first alien you see is on a video camera and it's in the back of some it's like hazy in the back of someone's yard, it's like. Oh, okay. It's like the Bigfoot footage, but, yeah, with but an when alien, you watch when you creepy. watch that scene, it's re- it's crazy when he just steps out. He doesn't do anything; he just walks past the camera. That's it, and it's really yeah. scary. That's how restrained he is with uh-huh. that. Like it doesn't work if you showboat it, but if you it's so realistic, and it is like creep. It reminded me of like those old uh, like Encyclopedia Britannica used to have those special cons- like mysteries of the universe things that always had these creepy commercials. It looked like a picture they showed during like the advertisement for that, like extraterrestrials on Earth. It's like oh, and compared to the marketing for this movie, Signs was like they had a teaser and they had a full trailer, if I'm not mistaken, right? So yes. That's, that's, and I remember the teaser. Yeah, it set up the basic like crop circles and whatnot. The second, tra- if it wasn't the first trailer, it was the second trailer. They they set up the scare part where yeah, he goes and puts his he gets the knife and he sees the reflection of the fingers and like something happens. Yeah. It's a big jump scare. And then the movie does one better where that's not even the end of the scene and it keeps going and it's still scary. I remember right. like, I, like I saw that trailer a bunch and every time it worked for me and I was like, well, at least I know it's coming. I'm not going to get scared now. I was like, wait, he's slicing the finger and it's also, it's still scary. Like it's just a really well-crafted <laughs> movie. Um, if I recall that you had the teaser and the trailer for signs, but I don't think it was until close to the release where they revealed that it was a full-blown alien invasion movie, uh-huh. where it wasn't just, you know, there might be aliens in this guy's backyard. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I like this this color stuff going oh, on in the playground. Yes. Mm-hmm. On the playground. It's really, like, evocative. <laughs> like... And it's just the angle that we're shooting at, too. I think that's what it's... It's just really making the scene stand out. Again, another very directed scene where you could just show two people talking, but instead it's a slightly overhead shot with weird numbers on the ground. There, there is a times in Shyamalan's early movies where I think he, I feel like he's uh, too in love with his own script. Where some of the sometimes the performances can come off a little wooden because I yeah. think he's forcing them to be directly as he is on page. So a lot more in signs than here. But sometimes I feel like that rubs off a little bit where you can tell he's in love with every yeah, exact a, reading of his feel script. stylized. Like I think like Joaquin Phoenix is great in signs or the kids mm-hmm. are they're very good in it. But the, there are lines that are delivered in a way where it's like, yeah, it's it's very precious. It feels very like no one would speak this way and not that exactly. Yeah, not, not, it doesn't feel just, human yeah, at times. Yeah. It is not that a movie needs to you know require the 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 capturing of human essence in order to be real, but you know it does feel written um, in a way. Right. Where yes, it, it, it yeah. shows. Not that it's bad. It just shows. Yes. No one improv their way through the the further through the scenes to get these line readings out. Yeah, there's a great scene right here. With oh the, yeah, um, this is incredibly mm-hmm. intense. 
and it has a great laugh moment where like he says friends yeah. don't shoot each other or like you know we're being friends and robin wright says friends don't shoot each other that's right no shooting friends <laughs> yeah You can measure the intensity too. Just, I mean, it helps that it's a big long shot, right? Oh yeah. Well, it's it, it's it's set in a quote unquote real world where, you know, you don't see guns all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, this is an unusual situation. And it feels and like aside we're sit- the fact that it's a kid. Yeah, and it feels like we're sitting at the table. Yeah. Un- unable to help at all. And it- we like these characters enough that. Even if he shoots him and it bounces off of him, it's still going to be a disaster for that relationship. Right. So, yeah, sure. Logically, we think, okay, he's not going to shoot his dad in the head and kill him at this point in the movie. You know, it's still traumatic. And it, I mean, it comes back to what I mentioned that in addition to the superhero stuff, we're obviously we're getting a domestic drama as well. And yes. this is where the worlds mm-hmm. combine because you had the way he's getting him to get rid of the gun is saying, I'm going to leave this house and move to New York. And that's such a horrible thing to say to your son. Like, it's like, I'm going to abandon you if you don't put the gun down right, right. now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a choice of words that Willis uses that I think is fantastic, where he says, we were just starting to be friends, which is so, like, that's very telling about that relationship between them, where, like, he's so, like, detached, it seems, as a father and a husband, where he has to tell his son, I thought we were just starting to be friends. Like, that's heartbreaking to hear. Well, there's so much that's just, you know, and this was, you know, one of the first scenes of the film, you know, their entire marriage is, is through the scene in the hospital where his son puts their hands together and they just immediately pull apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that there's an immediate cut. That's a great, like, the relief yeah. shot of when they all sit down on the floor. It's like, oh, boy. And then it, immediate cut <laughs> to this where it's like, I got to go see Elijah now. <laughs> yeah. like, my son's trying to shoot me, so we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> like... I'm sure there's something symbolic about that painting they're looking at, the picture they're looking say, at. That's a, that's a so the hero, movie. yes. It looks kind of like the Beast. No. Just saying. No, no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, this is no secret, but I, from what I'm told, Split was basically, that character was, did appear in an early version of an Unbreakable. Yeah, we should talk about that. So Shyamalan wrote this movie originally as, not necessarily three movies, but as a three-act structure. A conventional three-act superhero movie. So this stuff would be, you know, diminished to what, like half an hour? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there'd be, I guess, a setup for something along the lines of the Beast. I yeah. imagine it would still blend in with the stuff involving this movie in some way. And then I guess the third act would be a combination of all three things. And so instead, oh. and then I guess it eventually it morphed into, well, if this movie's successful, then we can make other movies. And that, that didn't happen, so then it morphed into, well, what if people just didn't know about this other movie I was making, and now we're making a third one? <laughs> Um, well, if I recall, it, he liked the origin stuff better than the rest. Yeah, he thought yeah. that was the most compelling stuff, so he just focused on that. And then he still he still um, has like the remnants of this ideas for like yeah. oh, I still want to do that, and people keep asking me about it. So, <laughs> so it's Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except he made Episode One first. <laughs> well, it was interesting because I mean he never he was supposed to make those M Night Shyamalan presents movies. You know, Devil was the only one that got made, which I think was quite good. Sure. I like oh, yeah, Devil, yeah. 
Um, well, wasn't there a second one? They just they took his name off of it. They took the uh, banner away. I don't know. I, but I do know the third one was supposed to be basically him reworking what was going to be an Unbreakable sequel. Yeah. And if I were ever to interview him, I would ask him, "Was that what split? Is that what became Split?" Interesting. I remember. I remember it was at the time when Devil came out, and it said like, because didn't that one too? There was like a night films or so there's some banner they're putting it was like it. the the something chronicles i'm trying to think of yes. what it was the and um, when they put his name above on the trailer you could just hear an audible oh, the night the night chron- the night chronicles um, okay yeah yeah th- yes that was a huge it became like a viral thing where people watching the devil trailer they they had seen it because it came out because what that movie was like a september release right and the trailer uh, uh, early october uh, yeah yeah no, so, yeah, yeah sorry. September. september and, the but the trailer but the trailer was obviously, you know, hitting in the summer. And so people would be, you know, if you see movies in the summer, people would be seeing the same trailer over and over again. So it got to a point where people were, were waiting for the for it to say M. Night Shyamalan just so they can boo in theaters. Which mm. is like, that's not a great proposition to put yourself in at that point. Where you're like, and, to show, and look at him now, like he's overcome that. Become like such a despised filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think he's only despised because of just how much people liked him. And how much potential... There was. I mean, this guy was the next Spielberg. Well, you're yeah. the, you're, after you're the, one movie, like was, you're, you're the hero um, long enough to become the villain, Brandon. So pretty much. Yeah. And I feel like um, you know what? Maybe that's why they're so not so quick to like you know crown people with such high praise anymore. I mean, they get. I mean, there are guys that get. You know, now you're just like, hey, direct this huge movie, but giving well, them. Well, I think own. the difference between Shyamalan and a lot of the directors of today is that a lot of the big directors of today come big by taking on known franchise properties. So yeah, they're within a they're within a brand. Yeah. Like uh, they're, they're Brian Singer, basically. Yeah, or you know, like yeah. I mentioned, Ryan Johnson or Ryan Coogler. Yes. Yeah, you know, they're ones that they're working in Star Wars and the Marvel universe, where yeah. you can say Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. film, or you can say Star Wars film, and which one's going to get more of applause, right? Maybe not um, now, Jeez. but and, uh, it's, <laughs> and it's funny. It's it's funny to me that like. You know, like these people who love these superhero films, like certain ones, and then they don't go check out that director's other work. It's just like, wait, he's a big reason you enjoyed this film. Like it didn't, you know, granted there's stuff on paper, but it didn't like make itself like just, I don't know. It's funny. The fandom's funny to me. We talked all through the scene of Sam Jackson being a dick in the comic book store, which I do think is very funny. <laughs> like him, him, him just being so like lost of like, oh my, my potential like star's mm-hmm. pupil here is rejecting me. What do I do now? And he's just sitting in the store and he rams himself into the comic books and pisses <laughs> off the guy. Um, and in retrospect, it's very funny that you have these sequences: the guy in the comic book shop, the guy in his art gallery that he chooses out, like. You know you're pissing off a guy that's killed about three thousand people. I mean, at least he's the villain when he's at work and when he's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the Grinch. Sam Jackson replaces <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch in Illuminations: The Grinch too. And he would have killed Cindy Lou. <laughs> Those who's didn't stand a chance. That's the tagline. <laughs> <for> the, movie. <laughs> the movie takes place in a in a police interrogation room, and it's after the fact that he murdered all the who's. <laughs> With the freaking pencil. <laughs> he did a lot of magic tricks. Uh, anyway, Bruce Willis. I is want that talk- movie. Bruce Willis is actually talking to his wife in this movie, as opposed to the last movie. <laughs> she actually gets uh, to hear him speaking because he's not dead. Person he's sitting uh, across from knows he's there. <laughs> 
Um, I always forget, like I said, I watched Sixth Sense the other night. I always forget that that movie ends with like footage from their wedding. Like they're just watching the home videos of his wedding. Yeah, and it's, and it's just like happy times, and then like then it just fades to white and cuts to credits. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like it's such well, a nice ending. Well, there's a longer extended cut of that, which I don't think is effective. So I'm glad they cut it. It's just um, a longer version of the wedding. Well, it's just, it, he goes to the big. He does a big speech, or he sort of calls back to the old "I'm Dr. Seuss when I'm drunk," you know, line. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, and it's fine. It's cute as an extra, but I, you know, it's it's they made the right call. I think like ABC plays that version when they used to play movies on That's TV. That's quite possible because yeah. there are on the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. There are three deleted scenes, and that's one of them. Yeah. And, um, it's, and it's not a long movie. <laughs> like it's, no, it's it's, ni- it's ninety-ish minutes before credits. Yeah, one hundred two with credits, just like this. Yeah. Um, and your know, Glass is like one hundred and twenty-nine minutes. That's as long it's, as it's film. As long, by yeah, a lot. Mm. yeah, Split was as long as film. Now yeah. it's Glass. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's impressive uh, that Last Airbender is not his longest film. Yes. Yeah. It certainly feels like his longest film, but it's not his longest film. <laughs> um, yeah, he keeps them tight. Yeah, all these. Oh, and, yeah. you know, this movie actually has, like, 20 minutes of deleted scenes. Yeah, there's, they um, had some stuff. They had a whole, like, what, like, the, the train seat, there the train station sequence is way longer, right? There's like yeah. a whole bunch of storyboards and animatics for all this other stuff they're going to do. Um, there's a big sequence with uh, Sam, uh, uh, the kid, Sam Jackson is a kid on a Ferris wheel where basically, or a amusement park ride, where he basically falls and breaks a bunch of boats. Oh, um, it was an incredibly expensive sequence comparatively, but they ended up not using it because, it, 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 again, it's not necessary. It's interesting, but it's not necessary. Um, I mean, I could talk all day about the deleted scenes for this because they're actually uh, the dinner scene that we just saw. There's an extended version of that where basically it sort of ends on an unhappy note because this somebody runs into runs into her at the diner, a coworker, and thinks that she went on a date with a guy that she liked at work, not knowing that that's her husband. Well, it's way better that they cut and end to this yeah. scene, which is actually it's it's funny at first because that babysitter is pretty funny. <laughs> what she's yeah. going over, it's <laughs> like you got a job in New York, you didn't tell me. Uh, <laughs> well, it's 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 a better way to cut this because it ends on a happy note. There there is yeah, you know, the no, date doesn't end on a negative note. Yeah, but then it gets to that, and then it get but then it ends bad anyway because she basically reveals that the, the, about the job stuff. Yeah, and it just brings it all back down again. <laughs> I can see why you cut it because it's redundant. Yeah. It just makes it a it bad is, yes. date and a bad evening. So it's like, why you don't need both things? Um. Even that scene, it just pulls out on the camera and it just yeah. makes him small. Like that's the entire purpose yeah. of that well, he's, shot. He's effective. stuck between two. Like he's always between a narrow space. It is a neat, like, you think of, like, superheroes that, uh, you know, reject the call or have to take on another identity to become their true self or something. That's what this scene is basically is. It's it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's Elijah explaining to him who he can be via voicemail. (laughs) And now he's like, well... I, I I guess now that my life shit again in the the real world, I can I can go back to this. I can go back to this other thing and embrace something else and see how that works out for me. Yeah. 
Well, does he know he's giving the villain speech? <laughs> we complete each other, that, you know. It's just neat that to this day, I still can't choke on water, but Bruce Willis can. It's so weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's no Aquaman. He wouldn't last ten seconds with with Orm. Call me David Dune. <laughs> Call me Mister Glass. Call me. That's my Aquaman impersonation. I'll, I'll watch that fight. Orm versus David Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> the costume is obvious. It's it's wonderful. I think. The, yeah. The simplicity of it, but just the. There's an iconography that you can already associate with it, which is like, which Glass's marketing is very much playing up as well, and I like that. Yes. Like you don't need to necessarily have seen Unbreakable to get that. Like that's him. That's the that's the one figure of the three people that are important in this story, and you recognize yes. him by a raincoat, <laughs> a green raincoat. But even in this super dark dank location there's like a bright red something over there mm. thang i think we call it <laughs> is the beast here somewhere <laughs> is he... <laughs> well is that the implication that his father was killed in this train crash um there's a number of theories i know yeah, I, I don't... there's there yeah there's did, I just, what... did i just talk about a fan theory i'm sorry you kind of did oh god there's there's one fan theory. I think we passed that moment already. Where like there's a there's a child and a mother that bump into David, and they think that's a five year old version of uh, James McAvoy's mm. character. Oh, of course, we have to retroactively yeah. put him in here, don't we? I mean, <laughs> I I wouldn't put it. I mean, given that he had ideas for this, I wouldn't put it past him that he would accept the logic of like, yeah, all right, I can. Yeah. <laughs> in the same way that like Lucas is like. Yeah, sure, Boba Fett survives. Whatever. Like, it just, like, yeah, I can, I can go with that. That's fine. This no, is a great... I, I, the, 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 cho- the choice for a young Bruce Willis here is like, oh, that's great. Like, they did the job. Yeah, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I thought it was special effects. Because it's just... It looks exactly like him. They have his, like, egg head. And his, yeah. like, his mouth is very accurate. And again, this is when we we finally hear the theme fade played full blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's doing something super... Yeah. And yes, that we I mean you're saying yes, you really like the theme. Uh James Newton Howard's score is very good in this movie. Yes. <laughs> like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, oh, yeah, it's not score. just the theme. It's it's yeah. it's Yeah, the whole score is pretty fantastic. This was back when I bought, you know, this is back when I bought film scores on CD. Yep. Um, Even when you get to the big train station sequence, they're like, come on, let's jazz it up with some electronic stuff in here. It's, like, it's, it's still good. But it's such an unexpected choice for it, like, you know, this kind of film. Uh-huh. But it, it works. It, it works given what's happening where it becomes yeah. just all out, like, uh, magic, I guess. I don't know how to phrase yeah. it. Super well, It's so intense. Uh-huh. And you see some horrible shit people are doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're getting there, but jeez. But, you know. Shyamalan is an interesting filmmaker in that I find it's, you know, one of the reasons I like his films is because I find him to be very compassionate and empathetic, but he can be mean when he wants to be. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the obvious example is Split, where, you know, he kills two out of three of the victims. 
Uh, I mean, if anything, spoiler. I think Split's the that's like the the worst aspect of Split. I think is because he's so unapologetic about how he handles everything. Yes. In movie. No, and I, I I think it's done in a way that I think is the film's detriment. It's but that's too mean. Other... It's too mean spirited. But at the same time, I look forward to whatever Glass does to rectify at least one aspect of it that seems yes. unresolved. So. Um, but. Also, again, After Earth is all about Will Smith being a dick to his son, which is like, I don't want to see Will Smith being a dick to his son. For <laughs> when your son's Jaden, why not? <laughs> well, when your dad's like that, that's why he's Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> that said, Will Smith on Instagram with Jaden, they're hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's that movie? <laughs> right. Oh, I saw it. It was Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> oh. I love how this particular scene ends with just a full pullback. I like to think that during these scenes that we're not seeing Elijah and he's like dealing with Willis, like not knowing what he wants to do. Elijah's just like planning another like horrible bombing or something. Somewhere. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he's in his specter lair trying to get in with the cool kids. <laughs> you cannot join specter. You're not boring. Here we go. Like you said, Brandon, it's just like it's the lights encased around him. He's in silhouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look, gonna he's... Pan, and it's going to pan down and everything just gets so big all of a sudden. Yeah, just look how narrow, know, like the light yeah. shining down. He's between him, just like when he was lifting, you know, lifting weights. He's between those two bars mm-hmm. in the frame. Like it's, he's probably, you know, he's got some reason for it, I'm sure. But but that's yeah. This I've noticed is he's just yeah. Yeah, now he's like within that's... all these people, and it just expands so much. Yeah, get it. And the stare, yeah. There's obviously a lot of religious iconography going on here as well. Like, it all works really, really Yeah, the stairwell opens it up, too. It starts narrow, like, when uh-huh. it comes in through that hole. And then if you see the stairwell, it expands out to the people rather than just staying straight. I love that effect, too, that just, like, that brief, that brief like, pause in the frame to, like, get you to understand that he's, like, feeling these people and, like, seeing something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt that everyone's wearing very expressive colors that he comes across. <laughs> right. <laughs> But like just that that it's you know the, the neat little like frame pull to like, get you to clue in on something. Also, is he gonna fix some of these crimes later? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I think you let the jewel thief go for now. That's not really a priority. Oh, I get it. The the wealthy white woman doesn't need to be rectified right this second. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Aaron! Not everything's about race. Well, this, this like... on the other hand is very much about race. Yeah, this is exactly about race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What a horrible crime, by the way. God. Yeah. It's just like people randomly walk. It's like, let me crack a bottle on this person's head and say something horrible to them. Again, he can be, you know, he's 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 very honest about the human condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as you know, obviously we're in a scene about 10 minutes, you know, he stops a home invasion, but he really only saves the kids. He got um, there too late. Yeah, yeah, obviously. But I mean, still, it's it's not the happiest of outcomes. Yeah. Well, the situation to begin with wasn't, and this one, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. The music's great. I mean, I mentioned the music already, but like the way it mm-hmm. like heightens at the during these moments. What's the nicest shot, Shyamalan? I'm trying to think. Oh. Uh, I guess wide awake. Maybe after Earth. I mean, of, of its big pictures. It's not after Earth. <laughs> no, no, the last Airbender. Even that, like. What's his name? Asif Mandiv like punches a fish to death. Like, I mean, it's, uh, it's a weird movie. If I recall, there's only two human deaths in that film. 
Um, well, there's like armies and stuff that are getting bended. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the happening. No. Ah, no. I mean, I guess the, well, it's not the village. Signs is like, there's not a really about death as much as it's about like, his wife grieving. is pulled in half. Yeah, but that and happens. She's before, yeah. wedged. Like, we see like, the flash- oh, okay. We got a winner. We see the flashback. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. if we didn't see the flashback, then he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, not only did the wife die, she got hit by a car, wedged against a tree, and yeah, uh, okay, gets to say goodbye win. before pulling it <laughs> you, back you and win. falling, right. and intestines falling <laughs> all over." Uh, I mean, we got a winner. Lady in the Water only has, like, the most unlikable character die from a horrible beast thing. Like, everybody, <laughs> else, everybody else is, like, in a weird storybook right. movie. Um, I, would, I, I, I have to assume that he prioritizes ongoing crimes where he can actually save the day. Yeah, I, I Versus sense, crimes yeah. that have already been committed. He's only one man. <laughs> what difference can he possibly make? <laughs> well, yeah. See, the irony is that this guy's maintenance, but it's Willis that's going to be taking out the trash. Oh! <laughs> By the way, let's th- the logic of this, like, this guy has, he's some kind of crazy person. He's invaded someone's house just because he saw it on the street. He does horrific things inside the house, and then he's like, well, I still got a 9-to-5 job I got to work on. <laughs> he leaves during the day to go do his yep. garbage man job. Ugh. The way he shoots the streets and stuff are very horrific. Like, yeah, I mean, this, this stuff, this stuff plays. I mean, it's suspense, but it's very. We got a lot of horror elements into this well, this yeah, one part. This is the part where, relatively speaking, you know, from the director of the success, which was taken more or less as a horror picture. Well, mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't begrudge. That's why I don't begrudge the marketing for selling yeah. it the way they did because it's yeah. it's, made, it's made in a very specific way. I mean, yeah. it might not be an intense twist movie in terms of, like, it changes the way you watch movies, but it's certainly, it is hiding things in plain sight. Like, it's not yeah. like, it's not, not trying to do that. And the tone of the movie is so disparate, where it's either unflinching drama or this suspenseful stuff with peppers with pepper of humor thrown in there, because Shyamalan always has humor in his movies. Like, yes. that's just what he does. Often very ghoulish humor. And just like, and, mo- and most horror movies always have humor in them. Yeah. That's how, you, that's how you balance things. You can't have a horror movie that's all terror. That's not fun. <laughs> you can, I guess. You can no. have strangers. But, uh, you know, but... That movie will be no fun whatsoever. He promises. This house only offers narrow places for him to stand. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is a per- like, and we'll get to the pool obviously too. But this is a great like set piece for David Dunn to have to deal with because mm-hmm. it's you know it's the same thing you know when you if you can't challenge Superman with strength, what are you gonna do? And so you have to find ways to be creative about that. That's why good Superman plots involve things that aren't just someone punching him. So you have something like this. It's like, what is he going to do here? He can't just storm his way in and punch everything. He has to figure out what's going on. He has to deal with the fact that there's a crazy person in the house and there's a pool and it's raining outside. I th- it's why, like, I really want Glass to work. I look forward to seeing whatever yeah. kind of things he sets up for these characters to have to deal with, given that we already know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Right. I, I won't be surprised if it doesn't follow through. That'll be unfortunate. But at the same time, 
I want that swing to work. I want this movie to be like, oh, he's pulled off Red somehow and split again. Movie that I know, Brad, you're like okay on ish, yeah. and Scott and I just don't really like. It's like I don't have much to go on, but I do admire what he tried to do with Split. So right. I want it to work. I want Glass to work. <laughs> well, actually, you know, one of my one of my concerns is that you know this is an eighty million dollar studio picture where he just could afford to take his time and afford to just craft these immaculate shots. Um, and I have to, I can only wonder, you know, what's it again, you know, I'm seeing it, I'm hoping it's good, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I don't want a, a, an unbreakable sequel that looks like a direct-to-video version. Fair. Yeah. And I, I just don't see Shyamalan doing that. Like, I, I, I agree. Enough, I absolutely yeah. agree with you. I have but, you know, again, to think that he can, he, I mean, he's obviously using the Bloomhouse strategy to yeah. his advantage where he can make something that's lower budget and look good enough and you know like we said he got like people from like he got the it follows cinematographer and whatnot he has he has creative people working with him and he has a studio behind him where like jason bloom i think is a smart enough producer where he understands he he can help in this kind of thing it's not it's not like it's not like netflix is like Shyamalan, come here and do whatever you want to so it's not it's not him off the chains necessarily it could be we'll see but But there's a possibility too that you know Unbreakable, you know, it's the Dunn story. It's Willis, so it's, it's told old-fashioned, grand Superman 235 story. Uh-huh. Uh, Split was McAvoy's. It's told in its own light. Now we have Glass, which looks a lot more colorful than both of those and it's from what we've about, seen so far. And it's called Glass, which makes me at least right. happy that it's going to be focused a lot on Samuel L. Jackson. Exactly. So <laughs> from that way, if it's not looking like this, then it, it does make sense that if it has its own distinct look different from the two of them. Um, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I will. But I'm Split was optimistic. cheap and Split was cheap. And when you think about it, it does look like it fits with this. It's it, just, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm probably going to try to watch it tomorrow if I have time. Yeah, I, um, I have no idea when I'll be able to watch that movie. <laughs> Um, when's the reveal is it in, within this same shot or no okay it's coming up because that it is a good scare moment when you see like the guys yeah. there also good to note the guy did kill the parents and the yes. one on the radiator is one of the chilt areas that's the scary shot mm-hmm. and the one on the, the radiator is just the oldest of the children which makes it also horrible still but And this is a great reveal, too. Like, there's a pool, but why is it he's sinking? And you realize, oh, because he's on the, the cover of the pool. Mm-hmm. And it makes it believable that he would have a weakness of water, but why is water so spit? Like, can he not swim? What is it? Oh, it's because he's tangled up in this impossible thing to get out of. It's a That's a very clever way to, like, make water feel like an actual threat. Like, you have to, like, we already, like, examined the idea of, like, what if he got shot? We didn't really go that far. Now it's like, wait, how does water affect it? How is that a weakness? I don't understand that. Well, this is another way of treading that line where it's like, we're not specifically saying he can't swim or handle the concept of water. But if you put him in a wetter scenario and, like, tangle him up in this kind of nonsense, like, yeah, it's 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 not helping. Right. Great editing, too, here, where you just you have to really show the chaos of this scene. I like that you can see that lit doorway through. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the way light peaks yeah. at the different angles of this scene is fantastic. I mean, this is just a really well-made movie. Uh-huh. But just, yeah. 
I don't want to be the stunt guy dealing with this either, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to be stuck underwater and, like, pretend you're drowning. Hold the camera. Yeah, right? Yeah, hold the camera, exactly. <laughs> this is strange days stuff. And I on think here. it is almost symbolic that the theme song plays as both triumphant when the kids are the ones doing the rescuing. Mm-hmm. You know, make of that what you will. Even with this very iconic hero shot we're about to get here. I mean, is it... He kind of matches the the mat for the... It's almost yeah. like he was birthed from it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there hasn't been, like, comic book adaptations of this. Right, yeah. Fan like, fiction, fan films? There's a lot, there's so much, especially in this later portion of the film where it's just, like, there's a lot of, like, him doing poses, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's a war- Like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I just killed a guy, let me get back to this now. This is a great, like, 12 frame per second shot right here. <laughs> and this is obviously very unglamorous superhero action. You know, this isn't fisticuffs. He's just choking this guy out because that's the only thing he can do. Um, I wonder if Willis watches this scene now. He's like, I wasn't there for that. (laughs) 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 That's a good hit right there. Jeez. It's all one shot, too. I forgot that. Yeah, the walls like... actually damage. They don't go through the walls. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Shh. Shh. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Swing away, Meryl. Swing. What's wrong, Mama? (laughs) Airbender. I don't know any lines. (laughs) My name is Avatar. Don't listen to the trees. Well, that didn't quite go as planned. There's another reason that I... This movie just like moves just a few notches below six cents for me, which is coming up at the end, but we'll get to that. Hang up my cape. This is great too. Like in within all this, like it's a double succeed because he, he stops he saves the day and he also like he brings his wife to like the bedroom. Yeah. You've got me. Who's got you? Like as opposed to them sleeping on her sleeping on the couch and him sleeping in the bed, it's like they can unite yeah. again. Unite the seven. <laughs> and just the way it's shot too shot from her perspective and she's looking up at him there's a kind of a golden light going it's on superman like it's like, and lois flying for the first yeah. time it's it's yep. a very her- it's a very heroic angle and even the room's very warm like the house has been generally cold throughout the film i gotta say guys really crushing this commentary very technical this week mm-hmm. on the, on the thing. <laughs> well, it's a very technical movie what people want we could literally do two commentaries one talking about the movie overall and one doing a you know a shot by shot scene by scene talk mm-hmm. <laughs> i think when we have like a film like i think our wasn't our coen brothers uh the big lebowski very technical memento was too yeah <laughs> memento was, yeah we so when you get dramas 
<laughs> well, get, get more filmmaker-focused things. like yeah, that's, more Artur yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, probably the Batman ones were, too, because Burton's mm-hmm. doing all kinds yeah. of things. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Still, well, got, Bat- still got Batman and Ro- Robin to go. Yeah, yeah, we still got one more shoot before we're done with that whole series. This is all very beneficial to the listener right now, talking about what we're great at. On like, the they, just, they, they just talked about, you know, how proficient they were at this, and then dropped Batman and Robin and AVPR. Awesome. <laughs> That's very much a kind of shirt I would have worn at that time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's like Union Bay or Side Out or something. <laughs> Some hit what brand. What are those weird details? Again, not a criticism, just something that always perplexed me was that he basically pours half a glass of orange juice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why doesn't he pull a full glass? How, do you know strange. how full the carton is? Maybe they're trying to conserve orange juice before they go to the grocery on Tuesday. That could be the case. You don't need Again, much of a, a gallon world's of orange juice worth costs. of character arc without a line of dialogue. <laughs> so... Willis is just like I'm a superhero now. Like that's kind of his thing with his with his family. Basically, yeah. Like Wright knows, right? She's aware of what happened. Oh uh, no, know. she's, she's no, not. I don't she's not think she's aware. gonna tell her to. No, he's she's not aware. Okay. That's Otherwise, she wouldn't be telling him to go. You know, to take Elijah to the police. Yeah. And the way he like reveals this to him. Yeah, yeah that's right. Very okay. discreet. Mm-hmm. There's totally plenty of orange juice in there. And it's a great moment that only really like some like Willis is one of the few that can pull this moment with his son off where he. Oh yeah, it's a very, it's a very very well, yeah. And Scott, the reason he pours a half orange juice is because he's not Haley Joel Osment, who would have crushed that scene. (laughs) 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 You have to settle for Spencer Treat Clark. Kayla Gelato would have did that. He would have made you cry while he's drinking the orange juice. Then feel positive about yourself at the same time. He only pours it half full because his father now has two identities. He's like, is that you, Dad? Like, no, I'm the one that murdered everybody. Those kids gave a very accurate reading of him for the description for the police sketch. Yeah. Huh? Well, they got a good look. I guess so. Yeah. His name's David Dunn. He works at the uh, football stadium. I don't know why he was at our house, but thankfully he was here. Oh, that's right. He shushes him. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did not remember it that way. I just couldn't yeah, quite yeah. put my finger on it. He's our age, Spencer Treat Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, this is his year, too. He had Gladiator, like, earlier. Yep. Where he told uh, Joaquin, you got to meet my friend, Manite. <laughs> I like to think that that's the reason you have to look them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at the notice the color. There's greens and purples all throughout this room. I'm glad that I mean we're making I'm making fun of Spencer P. Clark a little bit, but he's also in glass, which is like that's fun. He's back. Yeah. The mom's mm-hmm. back. Hey, if he would have been in Six Sense to uh, Haley Joel Osment, we'd still be talking about it today. If if Haley Jalasman, if if that kid, if he pops up in glass, he's like, by the way, I'm a superhero too. I see dead people. I'm gonna be so pissed off at this movie. <laughs> no, stop it! Now I'm gonna be scared of that the whole damn time. 
<laughs> Thanks a lot. That's my superpower. I see dead people and solve crimes from a third perspective. <laughs> you realize she's setting up the plot of glass right now. Uh huh. <laughs> This is a very warm and natural performance, which makes it a shame that he's the bad guy. Yeah, no, <laughs> the, it, mom, it, it's, the mom is so nice. Like she's she's such a she's good so person. Sweet. She did everything she could to help her son, and he turned into this b- b- maniacal madman. Yeah, <laughs> with Frederick Douglass hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frederick the the callback of callbacks. Mm-hmm. F Doug, here you go. That's what people come to these commentaries for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Name dropping surprise <laughs> Take a drink! Aaron did it! <laughs> How many of these people are going to buy these comics for their kids? <laughs> Alright, let me take you back to my secret lair now. Don't mind the pipe bombs. Those are just fun pipe bombs. <laughs> this is to... Oh, God, he's going to hit himself. No, th- those aren't schematics for nuclear weapons. <laughs> Crazy. It really is. The look at the computers. It's all like just graphics of stuff that's going yeah. on in the background. Looks like they have like back office at like a laser tag facility. Well, it's two thousand, bro. It's post matrix. It is, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's probably hacking, and he has, like, sunglasses and a cell phone right next to him. He's got a trench coat. He's got that going for him. He's got the Rob Zombie Dragula remix going on. He's generally <laughs> bummed that he has to, you know, reveal this now. What was the, what is Glass's plan, like, after this, I wonder? I have no idea. Like, what? what's the, which, which is, again, this is what I'm about to talk about. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think the ending is fine. Like, this this reveal stuff this is neat like it's like yeah. okay that is that's mm-hmm. a neat turn I didn't I wouldn't have seen that coming like that and I like the way it's shot and everything because it's doing it the same way they did the other ones where he's wearing his distinct suits and all this so he can sense it through the glove everybody so. else he touched bare hand I I mean we don't need to I don't know if we can delve into the nature of the powers but oh, I mean he's, nope, he's unbreakable sucks now <laughs> I mean it seems like he's project he's projecting what he's <laughs> thinking on his mind I think that's that's something to do with it the human warmth goes through the glove it's a thin glove. <laughs> What do they call you? Wheels? (laughs) (laughs) That's the same year, too. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, now he has all these, like, clippings of all his horrible things he's done. These aren't books about comics. And there's my bombs right here. The schematics. (laughs) Apparently he doesn't invite anyone else back there. Yeah, it's... uh... It's not a popular date spot for Elijah. God, Bruce Willis's acting in this scene is amazing. It's playing up a vulnerability. Yeah. Like, oh, you betrayed me. Mm-hmm. Zeus. 
It's such an... I mean, he <laughs> killed so many people to get yeah. to this moment only so he could, what, get himself turned in? I have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't know what the goal is here. I guess, I mean, again, if Glass has some answer, I look forward to what that is. But... Well, if he wants to be... I mean, part of him, he probably has this wanting to be caught, but he's also already committed so many heinous arch or supervillain crimes that maybe he finds himself done and would be behind bars having created a hero feeling some sort of sick responsibility for that and knowing that maybe he'll bust out because that's the next big villain thing is busting out and i guess i mean the nature of a villain is they don't think that they're the villain although he's right. pretty much preaching the fact that he is the villain so it's a right i don't know it's a weird double layer type of thing but yeah he cre his goal was to create a superhero and he had to become the villain to do that i mean yeah yes. there's some layers there this is what i this is what bugs me though this ending is weird. It ends with yeah. text. It's like, what? Like, it this opened right with text. Yeah, but like this is like freeze frame endings with text on top of the screen. It's like, okay. <laughs> it, like, to some degree, it feels like we ran out of money. Like, that's what it speaks to me. Yeah. In, in a way. Um. It's like, here's the ending we couldn't afford to show you. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not saying necessarily that. In, a, like, in a moment, <laughs> the results of that trial. <laughs> I'm not saying that I needed like a prolonged sequence of a, a, of cops it's coming something. in and arresting him and putting him into a back of a paddy wagon. That well, we generally it's use such term. a visual movie that it's so strange to end it on text. Exactly. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. it's a it's such a directed movie where it's like two lines of dialogue on screen and that's it. Like that's the end of the movie. It's like all right, okay. Flip to side B for Split, starring James huh? McAvoy, <laughs> Todd Berry. <laughs> Hmm. Well, that's unbreakable. Yeah, they're alive, damn it! It's a miracle. Hour, uh, hour forty without, or forty-two without a. Uh, yep. The exact same running time as the Sixth Sense. And it feels like a journey. Like it feels like you certainly like. It feels like a longer movie, and I mean that as a compliment. Oh yeah. It breathes. Obviously, it's a very slow picture. Um. It's, I mean, it still holds up. I mean, it's it's. It's yeah, it's incredibly not well made. It's but, not technology heavy. It does. It feels out of, kind of out of time, out of place. It does feel timeless. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, there's no internet, which is, you know, useful. Does anyone even use a cell phone? Uh, I don't walkie, think so. They use walkie-talkies when he's at the stadium, but that's all yeah. I can think yeah. of. But th there's no scenes that like would be made different because they had this technology. Yeah, I guess is the way to look at it. I think because it's Philadelphia, right? That's where like yeah. Yeah. It, the, it, the timeless and most brotherly of cities. It's such a it's such a worn and tough-looking city that is kind of stylish in its own right for like the uh, grim kind of movie that it you know a, a payphone doesn't look out of place watching now. It just feels like it's part of the style more than it is part of being dated. There's an answering machine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the movie... Old fangled. Yeah, I mean, the movie... I mean, obviously, it, you know, it, it said 2000, said 2000. But yeah, I think the, 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 from a general standpoint... Shyamalan knows what he's doing as far as what story he's crafting and how effective he can use the environment he has and the characters he has to not have to focus on certain things. 
Because even Split, I mean, Split, you know, that came out, what, two years ago? I can't, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen it since I saw it, but I, I, I can't recall that being a movie heavily reliant on various things. They use, like, web chatting and stuff like that, but it's stuff right. that just makes sense given the scenarios they're in, as opposed to a movie that requires the year to be a big part of the story being told. Right, no, yeah, you're right. And this, I mean, like I said, not technology reliant. Uh, it's big reliance is comic books, and those are... Mm-hmm legit still around and always have been and it helps and we're just so character focused and the things he has to do like tracking a guy that he sees in person lifting weights you know i guess he could have had the scene where he goes to the library and asks the card catalog to look up superhero stuff but that doesn't happen and then the librarian says, "We have delete. Someone deleted all the superheroes from the database." <laughs> and then she looks at the the little kids in the library and is like, "Looks like David Dunn's lost himself some comic book characters. How embarrassing!" Master Elijah, because someone <laughs> deleted it from the archives. Oh, <laughs> that's a movie where those are pivotal plot points. Ugh. So this was Touchstone. Sixth Sense was uh, Hollywood Pictures, which we just did yep. Tombstone on mm-hmm. last month, and I forgot every time. I, every time I watch something with Hollywood Pictures, I always forget that it's a Hollywood picture. <laughs> What's Signs? The Signs Touchstone, straight up. I believe so. Mm-hmm. And then I'd assume the Villages also. Yes. That's his, that's his last Disney one, right? And yep. then it goes. Then, then it's um, Warner Brothers Legendary for. Um, yeah, they're like, uh, we're the bringing water. Shyamalan to town. Nothing's going like, to stop well, that, us now. They're like, that didn't work. And then Fox is like, we got the R-rated Shyamalan movie. Fox. God, I love that, campaign. <laughs> it's it's R-rated R. movie. R. R for slight violence and lions. <laughs> <laughs> There's what blood you and gore. And then Paramount's like, well, we have robots. Why not Shyamalan? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, like, well, we're the only ones left. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but let's not advertise that, you know, he directed it. Yeah. And then Jason Boob's like, I got $5. <laughs> you want to make something <laughs> <laughs> uh, But now he's back. He's like, I got Disney and Universal. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like... That sounds like the bad guys teaming up. <laughs> 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 All right, and with that, I think we've reached the end of our unbreakable commentary track. I, uh, I thank everybody for listening. Let's go over where you guys can be found online. Brandon Peters. You can find me and my written work at weisserblue.com. I've got five fresh, brand-new Blu-ray reviews for you guys for 2019 already um, for this past weekend. And then uh, Colson McCavalcade, colsonmccavalcade.com. Um at CC Cavalcade on social media. Our latest episode is the uh, VHS movie, though I think it was a failed pilot and they tried to sell it as something else. Uh, for my pet monster, uh, the little plush toy from the 80s. Scott yeah. Mendelson. Forbes.com. Uh, Google Forbes, Scott Mendelson, the ticket booth, and you will find me. You can find me at We Live Entertainment. All my written movie reviews go over there. My personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find, and I'm on Twitter, Darren's PS4. You can find all the regular episodes of our podcast over on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you can find us. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, yeah, I, you know, where you can find all our stuff. Uh, thank you, Scott and Brandon, for joining me for this Unbreakable Commentary track. Always a pleasure. Thank you, yeah. 
Yeah, I look. I hope we all like glass. I look forward. We're Scott and I are literally seeing it like 24 hours from now. I, I want this to be a good thing. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's hope um, glass is not ass. Yeah, and um, let's see. It's what February next month. I'm sure we'll have another exciting plan for what to do um, then for next month's commentary track. But yeah, until then, until next time. So long and goodbye. <laughs>